welcome to another audio thingy. My name is uh, Tom Jacobs. Put the uh in the beginning there. My name is Tom Jacobs. I'm on the web at tdjacobs.com. And I'm an evolutionary astrologer, an energy worker, and a channel. What I like to do with the audio stuff that I'm doing here on SoundCloud is a variety of things, though, though, um, though it's been a lot of like, like channeling and teaching stuff about energy and consciousness. And tonight is, uh, tonight, I'm doing this at night. Uh, today, this, this one is the same. This is, um, I'm calling it Columbus Day Special. And for a lot of people, they're going to see the title and say, why would I want to listen to something special about Columbus Day? But what you're going to hear is me explaining to you some perspectives about Columbus, about the North American continent, or the Americas, and what's been going on here the last few hundred years, and uh, revisionist history, and stuff about colonialization, and slavery, and atrocities, and mass killings, and it's a really good one. All the good stuff, I put all in this one. Um, but I'm, I'm sharing with you ideas from the Ascended Master that I channel, who has four faces. Jehuti, spelled D-J-E-H-U-T-Y. Uh, Saint Germain, the Keeper of the Violet Flame of Forgiveness. Thoth, and Merlin. Yes, that Merlin. I sometimes channel him and do energy work. Uh, or have him do energy work through me. I kind of blend with his uh, consciousness. So everything's very very magical and, and awesome with that. So that's what you're, that's what you're going to hear uh, in this hour. And um, if you want to support this, if you get something good out of these audio uh, presentations, you can support this by going to the link on the right side of my profile page that says support this original audio project. Uh, everything helps, and I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you get something good out of it, go there and do that. And also, go to my site and check out 15 books and two natal reports and a bunch of audio courses, both uh, channeled and spiritual, as well as astrology. So thanks again uh, for coming here uh, to listen, and I hope you enjoy this. So first I want to talk about who this being is and then kind of uh, connect some dots. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's, um, to our human minds, it's kind of incomprehensible about how some of these things could be good for us, right? It's, it's, it's anathema to what we think being good humans are, right? Go, what, what it means to be a good human and, and goes against our uh, moral enculturation. So first of all, who this being is, this is a, a being, for, first of all, an ascended master is a being that hangs around outside time and space most of the time, but lives a number of human lives before this, you know, ascension happens, which I'm going to say something about in a minute. And an ascended master hangs around to help us in some way. There are certain frequencies and certain goals and things that the, that, that a particular being works with. Essentially, all the ascension is about becoming loving, transforming into caring more of the divine nature as a person. 
So when you see that that, that phrase ascended master, and it's you know always a capital A, capital M. Um, this this particular one is very clear that it's a particular job title. It's a particular job title. So they hang around to help. What he helps with is anything that we need in order to evolve. Anything that humanity as a collective needs to evolve, so including some grand uh, themes and things on a grand scale, and then also discrete, unique individuals and what we need to evolve. So to talk about who he is and really explain it, you have to understand what evolution means from the perspective of all that is. Essentially, an ascended master serves all that is through working with people, through dealing with individuals who are portions of all that is, learning how to be loving, how to go from fear into love. Yeah, you just have to forgive me because there's a bunch of kinds of introductions that kind of dovetail into into together. So he hangs around to help us evolve. When he embodies, he often does something that drives something, pushes something to its limit, and then goes beyond it in order to stoke the fires of evolution. So when I talk about him, I talk about his him as his Egyptian name, Jehuti, spelled D-J-E-H-U-T-Y. Many people know him by the Greek name Thoth or Toth, T-H-O-T-H. Some people, actually many people in, in metaphysical New Age circles know him as Saint Germain, the keeper of the violet flame of forgiveness. And then he's also Merlin. I was actually talking this morning a little bit with Merlin, preparing to do something, preparing a project and just realizing, oh, this thing I've been thinking about and kind of wondering what the missing pieces were. Oh, that's about Merlin. So I've been thinking about, about that face of him. But as he comes through me, he'll talk as Jehudi. And he, he's a teacher and a mediator and a kind of a translator of cosmic truth and what's going on on Earth and how we're evolving. Comes through as St. Germain, it's all heart-centered forgiveness, compassionate acceptance. Merlin is more, there's an edge, there's a kind of a trickster energy. And there's a lot about alchemical processes, so to speak, including transmuting abuse into power and turning negative sexual experiences into fodder for sexual empowerment. So it's a lot of sex magic stuff, really awesome magic stuff, including sexuality. So he actually did live a life as Merlin, the mythologized uh, druid high priest, and that's a, it's a title. And but we get it from the Arthurian legends as oh Merlin that's this particular guy. So uh, he is that guy, and so he pushed the limits, and he did something very special in order to uh, seed and have stored certain threads of knowledge that we were eventually going to forget. And go back and read about. You can go back and read about that and also the alternative histories about it and to really kind of get into um, into what that really means. But, but you know, the ancient ways, pagan ways, ancient ways, druidic ways, before becoming patriarchal 
and stuck in this notion of masculine-oriented progress that divorces itself from nature and just is, is just wanting conquest. So he was that guy. As St. Germain, he was legendary, uh, lived over 100 years. He didn't look this, didn't look any different. He could, he could understand and speak all languages. Like, like all these, like, um, w legends and, and lore about him as this compassionate, loving figure. Well, he was also Christopher Columbus. And I remember being a kid. I was born in 1972. And when I was a kid, we learned all of the, you know, admirable things that we should think about Christopher Columbus as the person who discovered North America, who discovered America. And, you know, there's all this mythology and all these stories. Well, the last 15, 20 years, more and more and more, especially around Columbus Day, which is the occasion for me recording this, we get this real resentment about him, about how he uh, did all these terrible things. And how, like like even people were, somebody was sending me today a couple of links about atrocities that he and his, his men committed. And there's all kinds of stuff, these terrible things. And so how is it that an ascended master could be a person who did these things. So the Ascended Master's job is to help us in some way. This one, I'll call him Jehudi, his job, his commitment as a soul that serves the collective, like we're all souls, and in some way aiming to serve the collective, is to help us in our evolution, and in his case, catalyze certain things, push certain things, make certain things happen. So being a person who created destruction, it's not uh, anathema to being an ascended master. And, and part of the reason, I've thought about this for a long time, how, how can I explain all this? Because I've been talking about American history with, with this being for several years. Um, colonialism, slavery, civil war stuff, uh, all the racial and ethnic stuff that has nothing to do with slavery, you know, with the, just like, you know, huge chunks of, of, of or waves of immigration, you know, that sometimes collided with religion and ethnic groups, um, and even do today. And, you know, I thought about this, I've talked with him for years about it, and he's like, look, I'm Christopher Columbus too. And so I, I wanted to get this on paper, but, or, or, you know, so to speak, on an MP3 to record it for you. But what we have to understand it's absolutely critical to actual evolution as humans is to learn to look beyond certain moral categories to understand what growth actually entails. So some of these things that people say about Christopher Columbus are not true. Some of them are. Some of the worst things are. Some of the things aren't. Um, but the point is that individual forged a path that created change, which helps us in our evolution. Years later, in your own personal life, after an event, you can say, I can see how that thing helped me. Wow, that sucked at the time. That was terrible. But now I understand it made me the person I am today. So the divine perspective, from your soul's perspective, you as a human are learning to make choices and you as groups of humans are learning to make choices that affect each other and, and all of you are dealing with the consequences. Growth 
evolution, spirituality, it, th these are not synonyms for peace. And this is something this master has to teach us that's absolutely critical. In, actual, in order to actually evolve, you must grow beyond a simple black and white, good and bad, moral and immoral. Ultimately, every single one of us has choice. But we make all kinds of choices along the growth path to learning to make choices. We go from fear into love. We go from greed into generosity. We go from shieldedness into openness. That's the normal evolutionary arc. To see something around us in the world or to experience something and then to close off because of it and then to learn to open, to go from sometimes neutrality into fear and then into love. You know, minding our own business into, oh, I have to defend myself, into, you know what, I'm safe, everything's fine, which is a more loving way of being. You cannot grow without pain as an individual. And as a collective, we cannot grow. The divine collective manifests here as humans and animals. We cannot grow if everything is puppies, flowers, rainbows, fairy dust, and everybody's sitting around with his benign smiles and nothing happens. We will not grow. The divine goddess and God cannot know itself if there's nothing happening. So individuals are learning and God is tracking it through your soul and my soul and every other soul. Well, that's what it looks like when I have that experience. Oh, when I believe that and I make that choice, it feels like that, and that's what happens. Hmm, yes, I get it. Check. Like, check that off the list. So you're essentially a node on the divine network feeding information back to goddess and God. What is it like if I see you, you're also like me, but I forget it and I treat you with fear or I, I, I control you or try to have power over you because I don't think there's enough, or I take your stuff? or I, I take your lunch money, or I burn your village down, or I kill all the men and steal the women and children. You know, what is it like when I do that? That is goddess and God learning. So this ascended master, called Jehudi, helps us answer questions about what it takes to evolve. He helps us evolve no matter what. He will help everybody because he doesn't judge. Remember, one of his faces is of, of St. Germain, the keeper of the violet flame of forgiveness, which is like the benchmark for loving compassion. So how could an ascended master be a person who does these terrible things? Well, what actually was going on is this, because cause as we know, as we, we learned after this was going on in second grade, you know, or whatever, fourth grade, fifth grade, what we learn later is, oh, he actually wasn't the first Westerner on this continent. And then we might even notice that he didn't actually hit the mainland ever. He was all over the Caribbean. So, so, so anyway, that detail is kind of an important. But what he represents is the the a, a penetration from Western Europe, which was full of colonial juice, using 
you know, other people and other people's resources, so including, you know, well, using all those things to gain more power to get more money. So he represents that, an eruption into this continent, into the new world. Forget what he was looking for. Forget that he was looking for a route to India to make, you know, cash on spice, like pepper or whatever. Forget that. From the from the divine perspective, what was actually happening, and this is what he's told me, is he's he's making an incursion here culturally that gets attention to start the process that would ultimately become the melting pot, which is the United States. I've talked to him about this because people, some people in the U.S. have this specialty complex, which leads to a huge ego. But because I said to him, what are you, what are you really saying here? And what he's saying is, all of these cultural groups melting potting, melt, melt potting together, right? Melting potting together. In the U.S. over the last several hundred years, even when it was a colony, and slavery was 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 going strong even before, you know, the colonies were here before before even uh, there's a federal government, the, the American Revolution, breaking away from England. The melting pot accelerates opportunities for evolution. Cultures who would never or rarely would otherwise in, in, in encounter each other live down the street from each other in the U.S., the USA. So, so from a divine perspective, the USA, is, as a melting pot, is actually a cauldron for many evolutionary themes that the divine is trying to work out regarding tribal issues. Now, if you're familiar with astrology and the U.S. chart, you know the U.S. sun is in the sign of cancer, which is tribe central. It's all about tribal stuff, family, belonging, history, identity, and, and, and um, you know, having a safe place to be. So there's a lot of like defensiveness that can come with cancerian energy like that. So, all the things that we can look at the United States about and say, that's terrible, it still sucks, this is the worst thing ever, in fact, are elements of that melting pot acceleration to become a cauldron. The racial stuff that in, this, in this country about black and white, you know, this is a primary part of the story. As and this is actually, uh, I was I'm channeling a book kind of in slow motion on the reality of slavery. And to people in the U.S., when you say slavery, they think of U.S. slavery. But slavery is a global issue throughout time. And for all different kinds of reasons are people finding themselves taken or having to succumb to being to becoming slaves. So I've been talking with him about slavery, and that's when he brought up all this stuff about the United States, because I'm really clear that globally there are two uh, issues that at present represent a huge healing crisis. And it's been going on for thousands of years, and we're not even close to being done yet. There are two major issues that define 
being on earth in this epoch. One is what to do with the other as in race, skin color, ethnicity, and religion. What to do with the other. And the other one is what are we going to do with all these women? <laughs> we can't get rid of them because then we can't have more boys to carry patriarchal power. But what are we going to, you know, so, so um, masculine feminine imbalance and what to do with the other, the question of the other. These define being on earth for, for many, many thousands of years. So I've been talking with Jehudi a lot about those over the few years. And he was like, look, you, you just sit down, turn on the recorder, and I will talk. It's going to be a few hours. And I'm like, no, what you're talking about, the history of the United States in terms of this stuff, it's going to be like 8 or 11 hours. It's going, be, it's going to be long. And he's like, yeah, just do it. And so he's been talking about that for years. And this is one component of that, one little bit. And then the channel book on slavery is another one. But an ascended master whose job it is to drive change, you know, it's exactly what Christopher Columbus did. He helps um, pierce into, it's like an eruption into the status quo in the Americas. First, you know, obviously in the Caribbean, but then that kind of opens the door for, for exploration of the other two continents as well, North and South America, and of course Central America. Um but he's serving a purpose. So one of his messages to us is, I'm going to kind of rephrase what I was saying earlier. You have to get beyond, you have to, in order to evolve, you have to evolve beyond simplistic conceptions of good and bad. And you have to get beyond the perception that somebody who hurts somebody else is evil. You have to get to the place where you view every single person as a soul, as a piece of goddess and God, learning over the course of many lives through making choices. Every single one of us is on both sides of every possible choice when you tally up all the lives spread out all across the timeline. So I want you to stop thinking of past lives and present life like, oh, uh, like I have a teacher who says you're smarter now than you were in your past life, and that's not true. It's from the soul's perspective, which is where your divine intelligence comes in, when the more you open your heart and really own all aspects of yourself, you access and tap into and can embody your own divine intelligence, being whole and complete, not just thinking about time as linear, because from your soul's perspective, it's not linear. All those things are happening simultaneously across the timeline. You are not better than another life. You are a different set of personality, genetic, and conditioning variables. To answer certain questions, and this is what we use the astrology chart for to look at evolutionary astrology, say, what are the themes the soul has this person focusing on? And so you can choose anything. You can choose anything. You can choose to destroy you can get in a boat, sail across the water, and you can kill a bunch of people and take their stuff. Like from the divine perspective, that's one way to do it. You can also get on a boat, go all the way across the water, and you can try to trade with people and try to learn their language. That's another way to do it. We have built into our conditioning moral judgments about it. And this is getting louder and louder over time because I mean 
what, what gets louder over time is the revisionist accounts of history. So, for example, um, if you're a Caucasian kid growing up in the U.S., in, in a, I'm just thinking about my experience, in kind of a small town in, like, Caucasian land, and you don't know people of a bunch of different skin colors, and you read this, this the accounts of the Puritans, the, the people who founded uh, whatever, they landed at Fraggle Rock or whatever that place was, and then they, like, made the turkey and everyone was happy. Those people. Uh, and you think about... <laughs> sorry, Fraggle Rock. Um, you think about, oh, yeah, look, white people... You don't even think white people, you just think Americans. And then you grow up, and then we have this thing called multiculturalism. We have diversity. You meet other people of different skin colors. You hear different stories. And then you get people from formerly or somewhat now or now somewhat marginalized groups saying, you know, actually Christopher Columbus was a big fucking jerk. This is what, you know, so then when the stories become circulated and now we are in the land of, uh, you know, in the in the time and land of uh, the social media where things spread rapidly and you get all kinds of perspectives and everybody can publish anything online. And so, he's, you know, so here we are with, um, you know, here's a list of all the terrible things Christopher Columbus, you know, if you were alive today, we'd, we'd hurt him for, we'd punish him for. Of course, we're applying our moral sense now to rewrite the history and history as a narrative. So we're just kind of changing it all up and what I, what I want to say is it's getting louder because we are unconsciously starting to catch up to our multi-life histories. So we need to go back and judge people in history who, who did things that might have been terrible but were written about as wonderful. We, as a collective, are experiencing since the end of the Mayan calendar almost four years ago, late 2011, the veils between dimensions going away, and things are coming up under the surface in individuals and therefore in as you know on mass the collective, for which we feel we need to judge ourselves. So these stories about you know what Columbus did and didn't do for what as one example are going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, going to get more and more people are going to dig up more and more things. It's going to be much more conversation about that because we now unconsciously need to judge what has happened in the past. We need to somehow figure out how, the, the perception is that we need to do this, how to hold ourselves accountable for this egregious, for these egregious acts. So I, I recently heard an interview with somebody who was saying, uh, a guy who had written a book and he was like, um, I don't remember what cultural group he was from or what his deal was, but he was talking about I think he was I think he was brown and he was talking about how uh, two different perspectives or two different examples of people trying to atone for history one being like descendants in America of uh, people who owned slaves and he was I think his perspective was well like I'm not like I'm not responsible for what my ancestors did. I don't expect you to take responsibility and feel guilty for what your ancestors did. Like here we are today, here and now. The other example he used was uh, in the generations in Germany following World War II and kind of like trying to figure out how to like how to work with that 
as a cultural inheritance and how some people felt really crappy and maybe even still do, but really like feeling the weight of that as a country. Well, not all Germans were Nazis. Were all Germans complete? All these questions come up. But the point being that we today are unconsciously feeling stuff from other lives that we have done that's terrible and it's starting to come up. It's kind of like a slight whiff on a cool breeze from that direction way over there. We're kind of getting this thing of like our judgment was you know, our judgment faculties, our willingness to judge, that's getting harsher because of this stuff that's coming up under the surface. So Christopher Columbus helps drive the evolution of the collective by coming into this place, which was not perfect before he got here. Like, that's another misconception. Just like, you know, you say the word slavery and it's, oh yeah, American South pre-Civil War. No, it's... um, there are actually northern states who had slaves too, by the way. This is really important to learn too. Anyway, it's another topic, but um, all the stereotypes are, are, are wrong. <laughs> Essentially, to grow as a collective, to evolve, we need to undergo racial violence sometimes. Like, we need to otherize the other. We need to fear the other and then get to know the other. Like, we need to experience intolerance, mistrust of the police, of the authorities. I'm thinking about racially motivated police shootings the last few years, which is really dredging up and giving an even louder voice to pain that's been with us for a very long time and in certain segments of the population with them but buried and now it's erupting in anger and tears and incredulity that these things are happening so again all stereotypes need to go out the window but understand that you as a human evolving you need to hear no probably more often than you hear yes you need to be denied. You need to find out that you didn't do something well enough so it inspires you to learn. You need to ask for help and be told you should be mature enough to do this on your own. And so you also need to fear the other. You need to wonder if you're safe and then decide you are. So communities need to come up against each other. It's not... You know, I hear about these things sometimes. Um, Social scientists and anthropologists and historians talking about human nature and and are humans inherently violent? And this is a stupid thing to do. This is a stupid thing to do. What's inherently human is to, and it's inherently animal, mammalian, but beyond that, animal-like, is to fear for survival to not know there's enough, to have to compete for limited resources. 
So all the stuff about the racial violence is playing itself out against the backdrop of goddess and God in the cafeteria in heaven with all the souls saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess if I if I look at you and your skin color is different and I decide I should fear you and then I do this and I behave that way, okay, then what are you going to do? And then, and then you get the response like, yeah, okay, well, that makes sense because I'm, I'm actually generating fear and then you're responding with a fear-based frequency. And because we're doing that, we're not able to see each other as divine beings. Well, we're going to work through that eventually, but we have to go through this struggle. So it is, it is normal for evolution that conflict occurs and even that some people die. This is normal. And I want you to think about, thinking about Columbus and these atrocities. I want you to think about, when I say the word atrocity, what comes to your mind? You know, a person leading a government doing a thing to a group of people, or or two rival factions or tribes trying to annihilate each other. Um, atrocity really is about people, about what people do to each other. But think about that. What comes to your mind? Armenian genocide? Uh, ethnic cleansing in all its forms, including the Holocaust? Think about uh, the, I don't remember what it's called, the, it's like the war on intellectuals and artists in communist China. Uh, think about what's going on in Soviet, the Soviet Union with, with shipping people off to Siberia because they uh, were dissidents or they had opinions that went against, right? They spoke out and they wrote. They asked questions. Think about uh, Rwanda in the 90s. Think about what's going on in uh, uh, Syria today. All over Africa at different times. You know, South America, when when things were when when uh, colonization was happening and gold was discovered, and this con continent, the 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 movement of. I I like when I'm in when I was in Canada, we, in, in in America we'll say Native Americans be politically correct about the people who were here when we got here when all the white people got here. In Canada, they say First Nations. I love that. I just love that. So I'm going to say First Nations peoples, the people who lived here before Whitey came in <laughs> on this continent. And um, think about all these different things. And if you really want to evolve, if you want to be a spiritual being, you need to adapt your view to accept all of these things as necessary components in the evolution of the species, the evolution of goddess and God divine consciousness of all that is. And as Jehudi says over and over again, evolution right now is not in getting into your upper chakras and hoping for the best and just focusing on the positive. Evolution right now, because the veils between dimensions are gone and all of your other life crap is coming up and therefore all the other life crap in the collective is coming up, so intolerance and hatred and violence are escalating. All those things are escalating. All of those things serve the divine purpose, which is to learn about free will, 
to learn about how to go from fear, I don't know there's enough, into love, I know there's enough. From fear of, you're different than me, I don't feel safe with you, to, I can see what we have in common, this divine spark, the fact that we both feel, the fact that we both think that we care about our families. All of these things serve the evolution of the collective. So it's Columbus Day, and some people are going to cringe. Some people are going to say, I don't even know if people still have school off. I know the post office is closed, but the, but the Wall Street's up, Wall Street's open. I don't know. So certain things, but it used to be a lot of things shut down, and they're kind of moving away from that. And this is part of the collective thing. We're not, we can't continue to lionize this guy who seemed to start this terrible thing. He basically, you know, from a certain perspective, he ruined what was perfect here. And now here we are trying to figure out what to do with the other and trying to deal with all these problems. You know, in one sense, he's, he seems to start the ball rolling. He's a catalyst. He's a catalyst. So a lot of what he teaches that's going to come up right now is about victimhood or victim consciousness, perceptions of being victimized versus learning to be empowered by understanding that all that has happened to you and your group has been created, has been co-created with life. You know, as an individual, everything that happens, that has happened to you that really hurts has happened for a reason. And the mind of God is not mysterious in terms of why would God do this to me? That's what we're trying to grow out of with a bunch of Western patriarchal Judeo-Christian baloney. Why would, why would this happen to me? Well, let's shift that to what purpose would this serve? Why would why would my why would this need to be created for me and by me? What would I be learning through this hardship, difficulty, loss, death, illness, whatever? Conflict, fight, injury, whatever. What would I why would I need to experience this? What would goddess and god need to learn that this would be a manifestation? That this would be an opportunity to do, to learn that. And so one of the big messages here, especially about Columbus Day, is to view populations of people who have been acted upon in terrible ways in a new light. Just like we want you to view yourself in a new light. You're not a victim. Nothing has happened to you. Things have come to you that manifest what you need to learn that show you what you're vibrating that hurts or that's confusing or that you're angry about. And so it's the same with the collective. The same with uh, the Holocaust, for sure. And people who were in charge of that, people doing that. You think they're evil. You, you Your brain wants to think they're evil. And then you say, but I want to have compassion for everybody but you don't understand how that could serve us as a collective. Well, now we know what it's like. 
just like, why did you do this thing? Your, your, your sibling says to you. And you said, I, I just wanted to know what it was like. You know, you're 15 and your parents are like, why did you smoke that cigarette? Why did you have that drink of alcohol? And you're like, I, I just wanted to know what it was like. That's what we're all doing here. God says, I just want to know what it's like to make a choice and deal with the consequences, to see the results and deal with them. So people who have committed atrocities, including Columbus, they are souls. They have souls, including Hitler and Pol Pot and Stalin and everybody else. They're souls. I was making a joke recently about loving your inner Hitler, and I was like, yeah, well, you got to love your inner Donald Trump, because he's a kind of egoic, egotistical monster. And, and the point is loving your inner monsters, parts of you you think are just so distasteful. You know, love your inner Christopher Columbus. Guy was a go-getter. So one of our challenges is to reorient and reframe what we think is happening on this planet. This is, this is a big part of what, what Judy shares. So you can go through your history and decide what's happened to you serves your journey, even if it sucks, even if it still hurts decades later. That's how you evolve. I just had a uh, somebody come to a meetup event at my house here in Tucson, I guess a week ago. And uh, she's very intuitive, and and she said, "Yeah, I'm 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 up in my upper two chakras. It's kind of hard for me sometimes to really make peace with my physical body. I don't think I've really done it yet." And I was like, uh, "You gotta, you gotta do that." And I was trying to explain to her the grounding thing, and she got it. But it's just like, for a lot of people, we've been trained to get up in our upper chakras, six and seven, you know, third eye and the mind and the crown, the top of the head, and live there. And we think that's what being spiritual is, because those energies uplift us. But if you're not dealing with your body and what's happening in it, then you're not dealing with your karmic history. You're not dealing with your life history as it is uh, etched and imprinted in your chakra system. If you're not dealing with your fears, then you're not evolving. If you're not processing pain and forgiving people who seem to have wronged you, you're not evolving. And you can't evolve if you don't take divine responsibility for all that's happened to you. So there are always going to be groups that feel victimized and disempowered and powerless. And some of those will rise up with fists in the air and make noise. And that's part of the process, too. But reframe your entire life in terms of seeing what's happened to you as, in fact, things that have occurred to show you what you need to learn as a human. You are already the divine. You are already divinely powerful. Look at all the things you have manifested thus far. And so how could it be the same being? Jehudi, Thoth, St. Germain, Merlin, 
Give us these wonderful teachings. Teach us to open our heart. Teach us to heal sexual abuse. Teach us to get in our bodies and deal with our families and deal with our pain and history and past lives and, you know, upgrade our vibration and make peace with things. How can that being have been Christopher Columbus? And the answer is that we, we need to be stirred into evolution through sometimes pain. You know, in, in their eyes at that time, there's opportunity. But, you know, there's opportunity. And, and this uh, continent very clearly was a complete jackpot. And the people here perceived to be slow and savage and uncivilized and therefore less and therefore colony material, right? Colonialization material. And let's take their stuff and let's kill them. They're not worth, those people, you know, they're meaningless. And we want this stuff. We want all this wood and these metals and all these fish. We, we want all this. And so the melting pot comes in. I think about this too in terms of uh, people who talk about, people who have a chip on their shoulder about corporate corruption or government secrets, secrets or government corruption. And kind of like um, conspiracy theories about how people in power are doing this to us and these kinds of things. And it's easy to see yourself as a victim when the wool is being pulled over your eyes or when something is being taken from you against your will. It's easy to see yourself as a victim, but as a collective, we have to begin, and, and, and this happens through individuals embracing this, through being willing to, I mean, not just being willing to, but then accepting everything that has happened to you as serving your journey. And you are already powerful because you've manifested. You've manifested in front of you your fears. You have made real in 3D your pain and what you fear the most. You've already done it. That's divine power. That's creativity. And so, yes, I'm saying that the people who were cut down in atrocities by Columbus and his people, people who were stolen from, people who were raped and killed, all of these people are souls, portions of the divine, essentially giving other portions of the divine, you and me, and have some other people, the opportunity to learn about power through the human lens. Am I powerful if I have all your stuff plus my stuff? Am I powerful if I can do anything to you and then just leave? Am I powerful if I can kill you and take all your land? And all of these things need to be explored through human experience. And so yes, I'm saying that all the people in the Holocaust who died uh, you know, six million Jews, but also like tons and tons and tons of other people too. Like a lot of people. <laughs> um, all of those people 
have souls. And for every person who dies at the hand of another, a soul gives another soul the opportunity to have that experience. I'm willing to give you the opportunity because I love you, because you are soul, I am soul, we're both divine, We all we do is love each other. I love you so much, my human self will be killed by you. And collectives do this. Our people will feel distinct and separated and not welcome. And your people, your collective, in order to try to figure out what power is, you're going to try to take us over or kill us or kick us out. And we love you so much, we're going to give you that opportunity. Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated by a guy with a gun. His soul gives the other soul an opportunity. So to evolve, like Happy Columbus Day, to evolve, your job is to look at every single thing like this in your memory bank and rewrite why you think it happened. Change the narrative. Martin Luther King Jr. happened to suspect that he was near death. He did say publicly, you know, I may not get to that promised land with you. That's a paraphrase. I may not get there with you. I may not be there with you. But we're going to get there. And he, so he kind of he said that publicly, but he did know. I just, I'm connected with the angelic being that he was connected to. And he knew. He sensed it. He was intuitive in his heart. He knew. And he was connected through love with the wisdom of soul. And so he knew. It's not being psychic. It's a different avenue. It's a different technique. A different reality. So anyway, his soul offers this other guy the opportunity, this other soul. And then all the people who are watching the opportunity to play through victimhood. To cycle through victimhood. You know, jumping back to the Holocaust, think about what happens in generation after generation of Jews since then who carry that, uh, well, the first generation would have carried this memory, whether they were there or somewhere else in the world and really aware of it and losing family. And then generations later, this thing gets carried down. Uh, do we consider our, should we consider ourselves victims? You know, so it goes through generations and generations. One of the things that has in the modern time defined being Jewish is some relationship with the Holocaust. Well, every single person who pushed a button, who shot a gun, who killed Jews and, and all these other people, all these tons of other people too, everybody who did that was offered an opportunity by the souls of the others. I, divine soul, love you, divine soul, enough to give you the opportunity to see what it's like to do this to somebody. So what does it mean to be evil now that Christopher Columbus has been 
rewritten. The, the myth of Christopher Columbus has definitely been rewritten to, uh, you know, include the mythos of evil, colonialist greed, you know, dastardly bastard behavior. What does it mean to be evil? If, if you are the divine, if you are already goddess and god, where does evil fit if you are God? And the answer is, when you move away from what you know is good, when you make a divine choice that moves you away from your divinity, separation occurs and you create evil. That's what evil is. Evil is going against what you know is right. Different from kind of morality, where you have an enculturated uh, inner compass. But when you move away from that sense of this feels inherently wrong, then you then that's what evil is. And, and that's not quantifiable even because you change all the time. Your standards might change. So for me, there's no such thing as evil. There is either being connected with our divine light or moving away from it. But but the key is, especially according to this Ascended Master I've been talking about a little bit, the key is that if you are willing to be open to see what looks good and what looks bad, what looks positive, what looks negative, what seems right, what seems evil, as simply different choices different forks and different roads that all contribute equally to evolution, then you lose shame and guilt and worry and anxiety and hatred of the other. Then you lose a fear of trusting your own instincts and judgment. You start trusting yourself to make the right choice because you're willing to, to check in with what vibrates as real and true. So are you willing to see what you have been taught is evil as simply another choice? Because this Ascended Master will work with anybody. Anybody who asks a, asks a question, he will help. Meaning he does not judge what the people who are up to who are asking for his help. In some metaphysical, in some corners of metaphysics, he's taught that he's not a good guy. And so they teach that you shouldn't work with him because he works with evil people as well as good people. I can't tell you how many people I've come across as a practitioner who've been trained in intuitive and psychic classes and mediumship classes and all kinds of things to be afraid of this guy. Because he doesn't discern between darkness and light. Well, you know, so in this teaching I'm offering you today, he, you know, what he would say is, can you view what you look at as evil as just a different choice? There's so many paths to evolution, so many paths to working out what the divine is working out through us. Learning how to go from fear into love. Learning how to go from 
looking at the other as dangerous and then to seeing that we're all connected to, to overcoming and seeing beyond you know uh, superficial differences and and cultural differences if you're willing to view your whole entire life history as a series of choices where sometimes you went toward love and sometimes you went away from love then you open the door to begin to have peace and acceptance about what you're actually doing here instead of fighting your true nature which involves exploration of both forks both kinds of fork in the road then you're actually getting closer to your true nature that's evolution so you got to make peace with your history as an individual and then you have to apply that to the history of humanity and look at what these terrible people did to these poor people look at the atrocity look at the violence okay yeah that's what we can do when we believe this and we want this and we think that yeah that's what we can do we, can, we certainly can do that yeah and and, and the thing is it, it looks glib if you do that like yeah look at that we can we can do that it looks like you're not taking it seriously like you're not feeling guilty you're not feeling hatred for the perpetrators and feeling sorry sorrow or, or sorry feeling sorry for or feeling pity toward the victims but that's just it overcoming the perpetrator victim dichotomy like it's a false dichotomy everybody in those scenarios is co-creating what they experience and everybody in those scenarios is trying to figure out what power is what it takes to get it and what who gets to have it it to me it's such an amazing thing to to live on earth and to have all those options because yeah you can do whatever you want you can get in your boat and go across the ocean and like teach people how to cook what your people cook <laughs> you can go there and you can like um, tie them all up and steal all their food you, you could do anything so being in touch with your divine power is in knowing that you can do anything but then choosing what feels truer what feels right and better and along the way at times you will choose the other thing and then you learn from it so in his role as Jehudi he's always got these explanations and Thoth is like that too um, through his role as Merlin he's always teaching you the secret of something <laughs> through his role as Saint Germain he's teaching you to forgive everything you've chosen and everything everyone else has chosen and they all kind of fit together there's a secret reason something happens there's uh, an explanation on the surface and also a bird's-eye view from the soul's perspective of why something happens and then there's also the need to forgive and let it go and overcome the human perception of right and wrong to get to the place of divine love which is no matter what walks up to you you love it 
no matter what happens to you, you hold the space of love for it. You view everything as your creation. You view everyone who's doing something to you as doing something for you and with you. Because they couldn't do it in a way that would affect you or to you and with you, for you. They couldn't if you didn't need to learn something through it. And on average, about half the things are painful. So stop looking at life through the false lens of it needs to be or it should be a pursuit to create a placid numbness where nothing weird happens, nothing unsafe happens. It's an infantile thing, an infantile perspective that comes from patriarchal religion, which tells you that if you appease this God, then nothing bad will happen. Because those religions are built around the brain's idea of what justice is. And if you make the, the white guy in charge happy, he's not going to punish you. Well, things happen. You get sick. People die. People steal from each other. Things happen. These are not divine punishments. When you have pain, you're not being divinely punished. God doesn't hate you. Ever. So everything that happens that's painful and that can be categorized as bad serves your evolution. You have to go through your history and then through human history to rewrite these narratives. That's what empowerment is. And this is what this being is all about, helping us evolve whatever it takes. I recently put up a channeling about, it's called On the Energetic Sources of Alzheimer's and Dementia from this being. And so sometimes he'll say, hey, look, this is you know the kind of thing that can create this scenario. Other times he says, please look at your family stuff. But other times he comes through and says, if you could understand the situation through this other lens, then you could actually make peace with it. But it's always about helping us in our evolution. 